On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we discuss the different types of verbal and nonverbal invalidation used by narcissistic abusers. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and today on our show, we're going to be discussing invalidation. But before we get to invalidation, if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button there that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. On our Guest Form page, there's all of these instructions. Please read them all and send us everything in the format that we ask for there. And please do send that to either NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or just fill out our submit page and press the submit button. So a really big thank you for that. We're always looking for stories. Please do send in your stories. And today we are going to be discussing invalidation, validation. We're going to be discussing the uh, verbal uh, versions of invalidation. We're going to be discussing nonverbal versions of invalidation. So let's first start off by giving you the definition of validation. So validation is the recognition of a person's thoughts, feelings, emotions, behaviors, and experiences as being valid and real. Validation tells someone that they are respected. And on our Survivor Story episodes, they are actually a form of validation that you did not get from your families or your relationships. You're hearing similar scenarios or experiences that at the time may have been invalidated by someone, someone who did not support you, someone who caused you to doubt your experiences. And by listening to our show, we are actually able to validate those experiences for you now where they were once invalidated because the person who's telling their story had the same experience that you had. Now you know that what you went through was wrong, that the person that you were dealing with was unsupportive, that they were not validating your reality, your emotions, that they wanted wanted you to doubt yourself. So now you're getting this validation of your thoughts, your emotions, your behaviors, your experiences, you're getting it all validated through our show as being real. And hopefully this validation is helping you expand because in the meaning of what expand is, a lot of us have been living in a small space. We've made ourselves small to survive. And now we're helping you expand because we're making space for you to exist. All of these things are now valid to you. You're able to grow out of that or, or expand yourself because you are not making yourself small for someone else. You're not being invalidated by that other person. 
You're not doubting yourself. You're creating a self-worth. You're creating a self-confidence. You're creating a self-everything to actually take up the space that you always deserved that was rightfully yours. And you existed in a way for a very long time because someone manipulated you into being that way. Someone invalidated your life, invalidated your experiences, invalidated your feelings, your emotions for so long. But, you know, through our show, partly through our show, not fully through our show, but we honor you and hopefully give you the validation that you need to be more expansive, to take up the space. So now that we've discussed our show, where we kind of feel like we fit in, um, in your life and what validation is, let's get to invalidation. So invalidation is the rejection or dismissal of a person's thoughts, feelings, emotions, behaviors, and experiences as being valid and real. And as a result of being invalidated, your emotional needs will not be met. And we all have emotional uh, needs. Our fundamental emotional needs are to be acknowledged, to be accepted, to be listened to, to be understood, to be loved, to be appreciated, to be respected, to be physically and emotionally safe, to be valued, to feel worthy, to be trusted, to feel capable and competent, to feel clear and not confused, and to be supported. And you can determine the health of the relationship that you're in with either a romantic partner, your friends, or your family by determining whether or not your emotional needs are are actually being met. So remember that list there that I just reeled off. Um, Maybe I'll put it on our website or even on our Instagram. Uh, But remember those things because if you're not feeling like your needs are being met, it's a possibility that you are being invalidated throughout your relationships. And with enough invalidation, one person can drive another person crazy. And we'll be discussing gaslighting eventually. Invalidation can cause significant damage to someone's physical health and well-being. And when a person feels invalidated, it creates the belief that their emotional experiences are unreasonable, unacceptable, or insignificant. And for many of us, this invalidation starts in childhood. So we will eventually get to relationships, but let's start right now in childhood. So there was a study published in 2003 that investigated the relationship between emotional invalidation in childhood and psychological distress in adulthood. And what it found was that invalidation in childhood often leads to emotional distancing, conflict, and disruption in relationships as an adult, as well as the feelings of loneliness, worthlessness, confusion, and inferiority in that affected individual. So when we think about these things happening in childhood... There are different types of families or family environments that a child might be in that are invalidating. So now we're going to go through the different types of family environments that a child might be raised in and how that can psychologically affect them. 
So family number one is called the chaotic family. Chaotic families are families in which there may be problems of domestic violence, substance abuse, financial problems, or absent abusive neglecting parents. In such families, there is an absence of clear rules and boundaries and an overall chaotic atmosphere. That results to little attention being given to the children, who in turn may experience their needs to be disregarded or even punished. Parentification becomes a big aspect here in the chaotic family. Parentification may also develop in such families when there is domestic violence, such as when the victim is the mother and the perpetrator is the father. Children are then attuned to or attached to and even protect the victim, parent often taking on roles that resemble the parent's parent or a counselor. And also within these environments as well, enmeshment can occur when you are an extension of the uh, narcissistic abusive parent. And this can occur where all of a sudden you're really tending to the parent's needs in this enmeshed type of of family. You're not tending to your own, your feelings, your emotions, your experiences will be invalidated in, in such family environments. Family number two is the physical or mental health problem family. In families that one of the members suffers from a physical or a mental health problem, the attention of the family system is often focused on the family member with the ailment. That can result in children's needs being invalidated and disregarded. The same process may develop in families where one of the children requires more attention because of physical, mental, or behavioral problems. So the energy of the family may be primarily attuned to that child, while the needs of the more easy or normal or functional child may be regarded as secondary. So that child may often feel invalidated because they may often be told that they should know how to act more maturely than their sibling in order to help the family survive. So their feelings are being invalidated in these instances because they are the ones that are not supposed to rock the boat. So their experiences and everything about them gets put on the back burner and they are not allowed to be themselves and a voice there is taken away. So parentification may also develop in these families too where the child has to take on the role of a parent and take on parental responsibilities because of the physical and mental health problems that are going on. Family number three is the perfect family. And in this type of family, it's all about perfectionism. In some perfect families, uh, negative emotions are not acceptable and not tolerated. Everything needs to appear neat and perfect and tidy. And maybe in this type of family, they are always saying like everything is fine And that doesn't leave space for children to have negative emotions. A family like this puts a lot of energy into maintaining this perfect external picture for everyone uh, outside of the house. But in the process, emotions, experiences are disregarded for the children because everything in this family favors being perfect. And in these types of families... Uh, communication is not the best. It's very surface level because the general rule in this type of family is that things are fine. We don't need to discuss anything. Things are fine. 
And what's being left out here are emotions that aren't fine, emotions that are about being angry or being sad or being upset, things that are real parts of of life. So in these types of families, a child's uh, being invalidated for their their experience, for their 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 feelings, and in this process where everything is supposed to be perfect, uh, when a child gets older, they have no idea how to deal with life when things get to be a specific way. They've never dealt with those other feelings before because they're always patching it with this, everything is fine, everything's fine. So that's family number three. And family number four is a typical, regular family. And this family is really run more by like society norms, cultural norms, if that makes sense. They might be passing down bad habits or things that they've learned or this is how society is running. So an example is showing vulnerability is a sign of weakness. This family doesn't per se, uh, it's, they're not an abusive family in any, in any sort of way. It's just that this is something that's kind of passed on from generation to generation where the significance of self-control is magnified, where emotional experiences don't fit into that specific mold that we're really taught um, for most of our lives. And in the process of this happening, you're having people being uh, invalidated, children are uh, having everything about their emotions being dismissed, And even though that there might be the best intentions going on here, this type of typical family that's just following cultural norms is invalidating to a child. So what are the consequences of these family environments, these family environments where there is invalidation going on? So the first thing on our list is the child does not learn to recognize and label their emotions which becomes a problem because if you do not know how to name what you are feeling, it then comes up to number two on our list, which is if someone doesn't know how to name what they're feeling, then how can a child learn how to regulate their emotions if they're unable to name what they're actually feeling? So another thing that happens in these environments is a child is actually encouraged to express emotions in an extreme way in order for them to get a helpful response from the adult. So what does this mean? It means that if a child is just trying to give a regular emotional response, they might be ignored. They'll be dismissed. And a child may only understand and recognize that when they show extreme, extreme emotions and extreme emotions in the way of like really lashing out, maybe raging, um, doing something to really get the family's attention, that's when their needs will get met. And then the opposite of that is some kids will have emotional inhibition. So in its extreme response in the other ways, because they want to be the good child, they want to be the quiet child. So here you can see right here that um, there's no 
balance. Balance is lost. There's nothing in the middle. It's an extreme either way. And growing up, that child who's expressing themselves in these lashing out ways and these rage ways to get what they want, to get what their needs are met, they might turn into possibly the abuser. Uh, growing up in the other person in this situation, this other child who's emotionally in, who's has emotional inhibition, it's possible that they're going to be the ones that end up being the victims of abuse. So another one on our list here is that the child does not learn how to trust their own experiences, but rather seeks reassurance outwardly in order to validate themselves. So all of this invalidation is creating uh, an internalized talk of, of, of shame and guilt and self-doubt. So there's self-invalidation goes, it's going on. And that's when a child will start to seek external reassurance. And when you hear our show a lot, a lot of people who are in relationship with abusers, especially early on in the love bombing stage and the trust building stage, we hear that they start putting their self-worth into someone else's hands. They start putting their self-confidence in someone else's hands. And when we're talking about here with a child, what's going on here at this very, very young age is they're looking for their validation, their self-worth, their self-confidence to be externally validated, and they're not getting it from themselves because of the family environment that they they grew up in. And one more thing on our list is that we as children's and, and children and then adults, we like to gravitate toward what is familiar. We learn to love what is familiar. So if we grew up in invalidating family environments, it's very likely that as an adult, we will end up in relationships which feel the same. And we end up in relationships where we are invalidated, where we are dismissed, where we are not respected. And that's just the reality of what it's like to grow up in these scenarios, in in these types of families, and then move into adulthood with not a great set of healthy skills under our belt. So after hearing all of this, we can really understand how someone can easily become the victim of abuse, but we can also understand how someone who went through this environment can also become the abuser. So now let's get to relationships, invalidation, and abuse. So what are ways in which a narcissistic abuser will invalidate you? And number one on our list is for them to invalidate you verbally. And there will be some subcategories on this list. And these subcategories were created by Lisa Romano. So we're going to go over these right now. So one way in which you're invalidated is really kind of just doing the opposite of what your emotion is. And Lisa Romano's example is, so if you're excited you come home with good news about a promotion and they say, well, you were only up for the promotion against Dave. And I met Dave. Dave is not the smartest tool in the shed. So they find a way here to take away your excitement and in the process specifically with this one, make you feel incompetent at the same time. They aren't validating the reality of what happened. 
They are taking this real exciting thing away from you in this process. Or another thing that they might do where you're really excited about something is you might have finished a painting where you were working, you were working on this painting really, really hard and you were just thrilled to get it done and you were excited. It's a big deal to you. And they say, that's what you're so excited about. Is that all? So right here, they are not being validating what is a huge accomplishment to you, something that is for you. And when that happens, that is soul crushing. So you start to feel that the things that you do are meaningless, that what you do is meaningless, that you doubt your pursuits. You could doubt your competency. You can just doubt your feelings of, should I be excited about this? That, so the things that make you excited, that get you excited, the things that you like, the things that bring you joy, start to lose that excitement, start to lose that joy. This invalidation starts to create doubt about what you like a doubt about what's important to you. You're being invalidated and these things that bring you joy start to disappear. And another thing that Lisa Romano has on her list is being upset. So you're not allowed to be upset. They might say, you're being dramatic. It's not a big deal. Get over it. Stop taking everything so personally. Don't you think of anyone but yourself? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. So if you're really upset, these are moments where you really need support. You need validation to what's going on, that you're sad, that you're upset. So a good example of this one is something we've heard on the show a lot before, is when uh, a parent dies, your mom or your, or your dad dies, and you're sad and you're upset and you are tending to your emotions of a situation where you're devastated. This is your parent. And the narcissistic abuser a lot of times might be able to only handle that situation for a very, very, very brief moment of time. And when that time is up for them, that time in their mind should be up for you too. And then they really can't comprehend or don't care to comprehend that this situation is longer than a day or two days or three days. And they want to focus more back on them and not you. And they really start to invalidate your situation and really not get, give you any sort of time to, to, to grieve at all and try to focus things a little bit more back on, on them when this situation does not warrant it at all. And it's completely invalidating. And it's one of the biggest scenarios we hear on the show when it comes to this type of invalidation. They're invalidating your experience, uh, your life, your sadness, and they're really twisting around making you feel selfish for being sad and upset on really uh, arguably one of the most devastating moments of, of your life. And it's just something that uh, they do and they can do it in a situation which isn't just a tiny situation. I mean, this is a really big momentous situation and it really just comes all back to them. So another one on our list by Lisa Romano that she came up with is under the term anger. And when 
you get angry at a narcissistic abuser and they invalidate you, it might sound something like this. Uh, I can do whatever I want. If you don't like it, that's too bad. Uh, I'm your husband. I can do whatever I want. This is my house and my life. I have the right to do whatever I please. Or this is how I am. I'm not going to change. That's just who I am. Or there's nothing wrong with me. I didn't do anything wrong. It's you. Uh, Or it's not my fault. You're responsible for everything that goes wrong. So a lot of what's already gone here is that you're being invalidated. Your actions are being invalidated. Uh, They're putting the blame back on you in in these situations. Uh, Other things that they might say uh, are, you know, they might deny, you know, they're denying things uh, outright or I never said that, that thing didn't happen. So they're getting a little bit of gaslighting in there. There's a sense of entitlement a lot when it comes here to this invalidation that they're entitled to be the way that they are and that you are not entitled to be the way you are. You're not allowed to express your anger. You're not allowed to be yourself, but they can do whatever they want. It's very domineering and invalidating and very disrespectful, which really puts you more into a a box and start having to be smaller in this invalidation, especially when it comes to anger can really be reversed and be really, really, really hurtful and, and really throw you backward when you try to express yourself that way, because they really don't like anger. And, and when the anger comes towards them, they defend themselves in in, in every way that they, they can. And it's brutal. And it's, uh, usually there's a lot of rage that, that goes on, uh, when this happens and it's, uh, you know, very invalidating. It's, you don't feel safe at all. You don't really have security in, in this situation as well. And it really can, you know, it can put you further down a hole when it, when it comes to anger and this type of invalidation right here is, is very effective in in doing so. And another one on our list that's from Lisa Romano is embarrassment. So this is one of those situations where it's a just joking situation. Well, they'll make a joke. Sarcasm is big in here, they'll do it possibly in front of a lot of people or they'll do it behind closed doors. And then when you, you know, say, hey, that wasn't right, I didn't like that, they'll throw out the, it's just joking, you can't take a joke line. And it's a form of invalidation of your experience and the reality of what just happened. And again, it's a way to twist you around and confuse you as far as Uh, what the reality of the situation is and invalidating you and your experience is a way to actually do it and they can do it through embarrassment and that just joking line. So those are verbal invalidations, but there are also non-verbal invalidations such as stonewalling and the silent treatment. So stonewalling is a denial of a conversation. It's invalidating who you are by not even giving you the respect to discuss the issue at hand. And the narcissistic abuser is dismissing your feelings and the experience by just not really coming to the table at all. It's a really invalidating experience. It's very dehumanizing, I think is the best way to put it, 
to be invalidated in this very dehumanizing way that you're not even worth it. Uh, it makes you feel worthless. It's a lot to do with your self-worth. Um, and it's very, it's, that's really crushing to the soul when someone won't even give you the respect to come and sit at the table with you to discuss things in a mature fashion in any sort of a way. And it's a really big, it's, to me, it's a really big slight and such a lack of, of respect. And it's so hurtful and invalidating uh, to you and whoever, whoever is going through this or has gone through this, uh, my heart goes out to you because it, it it's really gut wrenching. And uh, I just feel for everyone who, who goes through it. And then we have the silent treatment, which is leaving the room, ignoring phone calls, text messages. And when we think of validation, validation is having the capacity to allow another person's emotional state to have a space to exist. And when it comes to the silent treatment and when it comes to stonewalling, here is a situation where they're not allowing you to have a state to exist. And it's very invalidating and it is unsupportive. And in many cases, what is happening, especially when it is stonewall, stonewalling and silent treatment, um, what happens is a person who's being abused a lot of the time will step over the boundary line to start caretaking what's going on. And specifically with the silent treatment, it's meant to make you feel bad like you've done something wrong. So by then going over to the other side, by incorporating the silent treatment into this abuse state of invalidation, it's being, everything's being taken off you and it's now focusing on what their needs are and that is really um, control and it's an invalidation of who you are and in the process really flipping it where it's not on you anymore and now we're concentrating on the narcissistic abuser's needs over yours. So a lot of what you just heard was taking no responsibility and blame shifting was in there. There's a lot of gaslighting that's going on in there. And specifically to gaslighting, what you heard was, I guess, one form of gaslighting where it's just these verbal things that are going on. But there are the instances in gaslighting where there's actual physical component as well, where you know you've put your keys somewhere and then they've kind of taken your keys and hid them somewhere. Things like that, where things might be going missing and, or, or you know where things are actually supposed to be and now they're not in the, their place anymore. And they, and they might say things like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I didn't take those things. I didn't move those things. You must be going crazy. You must have put these things somewhere else. And that presents this next level version of invalidation where you start to really question your reality, you start to question your sanity, you're not being supported for uh, what is actually going on, and it's purposely now being done to uh, invalidate your experience in the realness and the truth of a situation. So in this situation, you're not just doubting your feelings or emotions like you would be with these early verbal 
invalidations. When it becomes this physical aspect as well, you're also doubting the reality of this situation, the truth of this situation, and your sanity at the same time. And this is when things, if they weren't already crazy making, can really start pushing you over the edge of uh, reality at this point. And the different types of invalidation really start to take their toll. So now that we've gone through all of these different types of invalidations and how these things can manifest in childhood, and then sometimes these things don't manifest in childhood. We've had some recent episodes where some things happened, there was no trauma going on, and you know, just belief systems really came into play in some episodes of how someone can invalidate those belief systems and someone's beliefs and, and really turn them around. But when it comes to our our show, you know, one of the big things that we try to do here is to lessen shame and that these things can happen to everyone and to show the psychology of the survivor or the victim or however you want to see yourself or what everyone wants to be called. Um, I know everyone wants to be called something different. So one of those two things or a survivor and... When it comes to that, we really like to show the psychology of everything to show how you were broken down. And a lot of times in these situations, when we talk about invalidation, what happens really first in the love bombing and the trust building stage is that part of you is being validated. There's this part of you that is being seen and validated and it's being overdone and they're really going after you and this core competency of you, this basic fear, this basic desire of you, this thing that you always wanted and you're now being validated right off the bat. And and that's what's really um getting you involved in the first place when during that idealization idealization stage that's happening and you know once you've been validated it becomes easier for them to then have your validation put into their hands and by listening to today's episode when you grew up in these environments it becomes a lot easier as you could as you heard that a lot of kids eventually need reassurance for what they've gone through. And if they haven't learned getting self-worth or deriving self-worth from within yourself or self-love or self-whatever it is, whatever you're trying to derive, if you're deriving it from an outside source, it becomes a lot easier for a narcissistic abuser to initially get in by validating all of these things for you, validating your experience of your life, of who you are only to eventually invalidate these things and take them away and really put you in a hole that goes deeper and deeper and and really twist you around and make things worse than they were before. Um, And hopefully uh, by listening to our show today, um, we help put a lot of those things um, into perspective. And for those people that have never been abused that are listening to the show, that's why we try to show the psychology is so people like you can understand why people stay or why they were hooked in the first place. And then when those hooks are in, why it becomes um, much more difficult to leave and how things can get smoothed over um, after abuses do occur. So I uh, really hope um, 
you enjoyed this episode on invalidation. And I hope you were validated by our invalidation episode and that what you're going through uh, is not fair. It's not being supportive and that you're not being heard. And hopefully our show is doing um, a good job of helping you uh, through this process to feel validated. Your experience and everything you went through with being real and listening to all those little tiny lines that might have been said to you to invalidate your experience, to invalidate your emotions, uh, all that invalidations. Hopefully we did a good job today to um, help you feel seen and heard. So um, thank you for listening today. And if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our guest form page. On our guest form page, there's all of the instructions. Please read all of the instructions and send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our submit page form and press the submit button and send that in and we will go from there. And if you need support, everyone, if you need support, please do join our support group at NarcissistApocalypse.com. At the top of the page, there's a button that says Support Group. When you click on that button, it takes you to our very own safe social network where on Wednesday nights and Saturday nights and Thursday afternoons, we have our very own Zoom meetings with me on there for some of them. Sometimes we have Tennille on Thursday afternoons. We have a great group of people in our support groups that are there to support you. They're also there to answer your questions on our forum board. So you can post on our forum boards and people will be there to answer them. On our support group, we also have ad-free episodes and we have episodes that never made it to air. And if our support group isn't enough and you need even more support, please do visit our friends at at, uh, DomesticShelters.org. There they have articles and resources to help you make sense of what you are going through. They have phone numbers and websites of every shelter, every domestic violence agency for whatever region you're in, whatever community you're in, it is all there. So please do visit our friends at domesticshelters.org. It's a free resource. It's a fantastic resource. It's a great organization. And now uh, that is it for today. With that being said, I hope you have a good night. <laughs>